you don't really have these big moments and that's why it's so great because there's not these major turning points or anything it's like all those it's all the little things that like add up and like you leave there after the weekend and I never leave back and I say oh there was this one moment that this big thing happened that person felt great because like yeah that stuff is just staged like it it's not really important in real life sometimes it doesn't really apply I guess so it's the little things I'm Ren McDonald and this is the Hope Initiative a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet earth or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald, your host. Thank you so much for being here. Today on episode 43, I speak with Sinead Coulter. Sinead is the youngest sister to one of my best mates, Liam, and a family, the Coulters, that I've been lucky enough to be associated with since I was about nine years old through my soccer club, Whitehorse United. She's 20 years old and is already doing so much with her life, volunteering, traveling the world, and creating art. She's well on her way in her life. In this conversation, we talk about youth empowerment, how she was the college captain in year 12 and a host of other important topics. So I'm really, really glad that I got to sit down with her. It's probably the longest one-on-one conversation that we've ever had, albeit, you know, I've known her now for almost 20 years. Uh, But yeah, it was really good and I hope you enjoy it. So without any further ado, here is Sinead Coulter. Sinead Coulter, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you finally. I think we've been trying to line this up for a few months. I don't know if it was a last very year. long time. And I, probably last year, actually. Yeah, it was the first time that I was like, hey, do you want to be a guest? And um, yeah. yeah, here we are now. It is the 18th of April, middle of coronavirus, and we're doing it via Zoom. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to your house many times and I said before we probably started that it's different to see your room from this perspective <laughs> and I'm in a different room in my house. You've, I don't think you've ever been to my house, but anyway, no. yeah, it's, it's, an it's an interesting time to be alive. <laughs> um, so you, to give some context, firstly, you are, you are a woman, you are a young, young lady, you are the youngest sister to uh, one of my best mates, Liam Coulter. Mm-hmm. who I've known since I was about nine years old when I first started playing soccer. Uh, mentioned Whitehorse United, the soccer club, on many times. You've played for them a little bit. Your parents were heavily involved and sort of mm-hmm. still are very much involved in the club. But um, you've yeah. been a part of, or we've been a part of each other's lives for many years. Um, but if you could start by sharing from your perspective and start from as early as you like, and this is completely up to you how you answer this, of course. With, with every question, just that saying. Um, <laughs> but can you tell me about your life and go from the beginning, your earliest memory up until now? But I want to put a time limit on it and say three minutes. So pick okay, out the things that are important to you. I'm not going to stop you at three minutes. There's an imaginary timer going, but whenever you're ready. Okay. 
So, um, yeah, I'm 20 years old. Um, as Rin said, I have two older brothers and a mom and dad. Um, and yeah, grew up like we're quite close. It's a very like fun and supportive household. Um, but I was kind of raised like a third brother. So while I was growing up, it was very much like, yeah, I was thrown into soccer, PlayStation, COD, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, that was probably like that throughout primary school. And then I went, um, I guess it really started for me when I went to an all girls Catholic high school. Um, and this was like, yeah, probably the biggest thing that shaped me to who I am today. It was yeah a super super supportive uh environment i had a really tight-knit uh community and i guess from there i kind of fell into this realm of uh like leadership opportunities and yeah fell in love with all that and was captain of every single thing i could possibly be um humble brand um yeah and through that i probably like learned the importance of just saying yes to everything because i started to realize that i was learning more like outside of the classroom and beyond a textbook and in like the interactions i had with people mm. um and all the opportunities that some of the roles i had um let me have um let me yeah have uh and then I had like my biggest turning point in year 12, probably when I was college captain and that like taught me so, so much. And then um, I obviously left high school and I, um, oh, actually while I was in high school, I began volunteering with this organization called Lord Summers Camp and Powerhouse mm-hmm. uh, who run, um, so they run like week long camps uh, in the summer holidays and the one that I attended was a hundred girls come along and you don't know anyone or anything that you're doing and you kind of get thrown into this environment. Yeah. Where you literally know nothing. And it's all about like being vulnerable and building resilience. And it's like quite a hard, like emotionally, emotionally, mentally challenging week. Um, But yeah, it was just the best experience ever. So then, yeah, I like, became like a regular volunteer for them and started attending their weekend camps where they yeah they're called community camps and basically they get various like vulnerable members of our community whether it be like um people with like mental and physical disabilities or uh like children with terminal illnesses all that kind of stuff and they like have them down at camp for the weekend and it's just this really like safe and fun and like welcoming environment um yeah so I've been doing that ever since and that's like 10 or so weekends a year that I'll go down to camp and then in Jan um yeah so that's that um and then yeah I'm at university currently at Swinburne studying a bachelor of design um and then from from that I started doing a bit more um volunteering as a consequence of design started um working for an organization called oak tree where i was a like volunteer design manager so like two days a week would go and that exposed me to a lot of uh like the importance of youth empowerment and like development 
social impact, international engagement, like all of that stuff, um, yeah. which definitely impacted my passions for them today, alongside with the camps and everything. So, uh, yeah, I recently came back from Africa where I did um, a volunteer program, which was really, really cool. And I guess all of that combined, like everything throughout those years um, has kind of shaped my passion um, for like social impact and youth engagement and yeah, shape my like morals and values that I have today. Awesome. Yeah. Well, great little <laughs> recap there. It's good. How do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I think I, yeah, it's, you never get asked, you know, you never look back and think like, what were, yeah. And what were the pivotal points and yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, if you could pick one pivotal point, I mean, you're, you're 20, so quite young. And I know you probably feel mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I've got to do so many things. Or look, at least I did when I was that age and I, I still do now. But whenever I talk to people older than me, like this morning already, I've, I've spoken to two people who one's turning 50 this year and the other guy, he was 62. And they're doing so much in their lives. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I want to be like that. Or I want to do all yeah. these things. And we'll, we'll come to talk a bit about that. But for you, has there been one sort of standout moment that is currently sort of shaping your, your life that you sort of do think back on or maybe can think back on now? Well, that's a hard question. <laughs> you know, there's different things that have um, meant like different things. Like definitely my position as college captain was insane, obviously not just for the title, but like the people I got to interact with and the like team I got to work with of just like young females who were yeah so capable and just willing to give everything a shot that just taught me so much about like working in a team and like leading and everything but obviously like a lot of my volunteer involvement um I guess like well it's completely changed where I want to go with my career and everything like Mm. I was very designed but now yeah it's in all different places because yeah as you grow up you experience different things so it's expected to change but yeah it's hard to pinpoint one moment they're all important for different things I guess yeah right and in terms of your time being the school captain what were some of the things you were tasked with that you were responsible for let me think back <laughs> <laughs> so long um, ago. two years ago right? <laughs> 2018? uh no, 2017. 2017. Sorry. About two years yeah. ago. Two yeah. Months ago. <laughs> um, I feel like 2020 is very real. Like no one's. At yeah, school. true. I mean, people are at school. We'll skip it. Yeah. So I guess. Um, yeah, the main. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, I was college captain, and when I made these speeches, there were. Uh, a thousand or so girls sitting in front of me in this assembly hall and then there's all these teachers around you and you know like there's so much at that point that I wanted to say and everything and it's yeah it's hard because the way it kind of works is uh, the head of leadership whoever it may be will say uh, this assembly our um our topic is reflection or something like that and you know it's hard when they shape that topic for you because it may not apply or it may not be relevant or anything, but a lot of the time it was just like sticking to kind of what I thought was important. Like one 
assembly I can't remember I think the topic was problem solving or something like that and I I turned to my teacher and I was like I'm not talking about that (laughs) I said that doesn't apply at all and I talked about like the importance of self-love or something like that you just completely disregarded what they suggested yeah I was like I'm not was the whole assembly on problem solving and you literally spoke about self-love yeah you didn't did you try to tie it into problem solving like how, um, how helps I'm that? sure I, I'm sure I did a little but like the way I thought of it was I have what I have a year and I have like of course I I have conversations with people but I I have like seven opportunities to address these people in this context of like all of them seated in front of me mm. like seven opportunities it's not that much you know and sure. when you want to like leave an impact and actually you know, have something where like people can walk out and be like, oh, like that was really cool. Like I got a lot from that. Yeah. You, you want to be speaking about stuff that you're passionate about. And you think that, especially from a year 12 point of view, you think that is going to help them get the most out of the experience of high school. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of it was balancing that. Right. Is there one of those, those speeches, those seven opportunities that, that stands out for you as being the most memorable, the one that brought you the most or, or, you know your pupil or the pupils you know your your classmates the most joy mm, I think um the self-love one was uh a big one um especially for teachers like a lot of the time yeah a lot of the time the speeches um that you expect aren't like they're not extremely personal like they're I guess they're a bit corny in the sense of like make the most of you know your opportunities and everything but everyone knows that like everyone knows that there's a limited time at high school everyone knows that you're meant to do this and that whatever but um I think that one was like super personal and at the time like social media um was on the rise at the time three years ago (laughs) but no it was like really really popular um and a lot of people were like relying on that for like self-confidence and everything so having a space to yeah talk about that I think like hit home for a lot of people um, and I had a lot of comments on it. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to, I think I'm, was there an article written on it or was it mentioned somewhere? Cause obviously I've been to your house plenty of times and hung out with you and your family. I'm pretty sure I might've read something on it. Yeah. I, I had a, um, another speech for my graduation and that was mm-hmm. like put in this um, book about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if there's some form of article on that, I'll definitely chase you up after and get that for the show notes because i do whatever it was that i read yeah it was it was really good so that was obviously from you nice one thanks (laughs) um before you mentioned that you're basically raised as one of three boys Mm -hmm. so you've got yeah two older brothers liam who i've played soccer with since i was nine barring maybe a couple of years and then keegan who is probably it's fair to say a lot more outgoing than Liam, a lot louder and, and in your face, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, you then came along. What's the age difference? Liam's 27, Keegan's just turned 25, yeah, and then I'm you're 20. 20. Right. Yeah. So with them as older brothers, mm-hmm. how do you think their influence has maybe shaped you to possibly be a leader where you are now? Mm-hmm. Do you think it has? Do you think that it hasn't? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on on that yeah absolutely like 100 percent um and I think I realized this when I started um attending Avila and um being exposed to people who didn't grow up with brothers mm. and yeah that just a huge difference like 
um, yeah, a, you know, a household with all girls is very different to a household with all boys and vice versa. Um, but obviously boys were the more dominant in my house. And yeah, I guess <laughs> there's like this, yeah, there's this idea that um, I guess I was never like treated with sensitivity or like, oh, you know, there's this hesitation sometimes um, like still today where, you know, females are more sensitive or you have to be more careful with what you say and you can't be as rough or that kind of stuff. Um, but like that wasn't a thing in my household. Yeah. And like, yeah, I feel Liam and Keegan treated me like they treated each other, yeah. which like made me extremely resilient. Mm. And yeah, just because you couldn't, like I, I took stuff from them just like I would, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I got used to just copying things and understanding like, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I got used to, yeah, like copying things and understanding when something requires you to stand up and be like, oh, actually, you know, I don't sit right with that. Mm. Yeah, this balance between like being sensitive, but also like, you know, stepping back and being like not worrying about them as a person, like whatever they say, it's it's not a person thing. It's just something they're saying. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. But to sort of like, I guess, pull that apart a bit more, you talk about values and yet yeah, not being, I mean, use the word rough, but in terms of like being sensitive and being caring, those things they're just their traits or their values. Mm. They're not necessarily, um, what's the right way of putting it? They're not necessarily things that have to be assigned to a, diff a certain gender or a certain yeah. person, right? But yeah, like you sort of said, they are a bit, but I think the times are changing. In terms of what you think, not to talk about roles too much because I want to keep this mm. specifically on, on you, um, but do you do you sort of agree with with that? And maybe do you think that that's what made you crop up as more of the potential leader in your school? Yeah, I guess I stood out as like a leader and someone that people could just like have a real conversation with, because um, like my because I was raised in a household that didn't give in to these little things like didn't care about how many likes you have on Facebook and, you know, like didn't really care about what other people thought. But when you're in an all-girls school environment, I guess sometimes, yeah, there is this, um, there is this notion that that stuff matters and um, that comparing and like, you know, you have to be careful what you do because this person might say something about this. Like, yeah, my brothers just didn't believe in that. So yeah like as an offset, because I guess in their school environment, that didn't really matter. They went to an all boys school. So right. that didn't really matter to any of them. So having like, I think it might've been refreshing for people in my year level and like my school to have someone like me who just didn't care, <laughs> who just like, you know, did what I felt was right and did what I wanted to and said what I wanted to. And yeah, didn't, didn't get caught in the realm of these little like things that we think are important like likes and all that stuff i just didn't care yeah. yeah no i think it's really good and in terms of you now being in the you know sort of worker world workaday world 
um, and being at uni, what, what would you like to see taught in schools and how do you think it should be taught? Like how would it sure. look? Whatever it is. Yeah. Sure. I don't, I don't think you can teach us as a subject. I don't think as soon as you like uh, make things like, you know, I think the best way to teach things and like put information onto people is to make it seem like they're not learning. Like for a lot of these, obviously like what I'm talking in relation to is like life things rather than academic, like mathematic equations or that stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah, firstly, I don't, they're not something that you can teach in a classroom. Um, and so that's just going to stem from there being a shift in mindset of when you go to high school, um, academics and reading a textbook is, you know, like your ATAR is everything. Yeah. Like once it shifts to more, um, like what can my, what is my school actually offering me? What are the lunchtime public speakers they're bringing in from random places who are talking about whatever the issue is, like that stuff is where you're going to get the message across because it isn't in a classroom context. So it doesn't make people feel like they need, you know, they're learning. It's just like a conversation. Right. So firstly that, but what the conversation is about. Um, gosh, so much. Um, youth empowerment is the biggest one. Like, yeah, we have such a large voice as youth. And even though at that age, you may not be able to vote. Um, yeah, a lot of these concepts that I think should be implemented in, in high school and stuff are targeted at that age because when you start young and like enforce these things into people then students then then like that'll just change society in future yeah so um yeah like yeah obviously youth empowerment and even though they can't vote like i was saying like their voice is still important and there's other ways to get around this um as you can see with like all the climate strikes and student involvement that's happening right now um so yeah probably that in general um yeah, a little bit more about politics and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. What is what does youth empowerment mean to you? Youth empowerment means that young people understand that their role in like the machine of society isn't small and just because they're still developing it doesn't mean it has any less of importance or impact compared to someone who is an adult and is fully developed. Um, that, you know, it's, it's just as important and their voice, yeah, youth empowerment means that youth understand that their voice, um, is shaping the future. And because of that, it is, yeah, extremely important. I like that youth empowerment. I think, you know, I mean, I'm 27 and I say this all the time, so I probably sound like a bit of an idiot when I say it, but I don't feel like I'm this old adult who has it all worked out. I mean, you use the word when, you know, they're developed or as developed as an adult, you know, I'm like, when does youth, like, when mm -hmm. does that cut off? Because I still feel like I'm a youth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can understand how someone who's 20 may not see it that way. And obviously someone who's 15, I remember when I was a teenager, you know, you look at people who are even are 20 or who are my age and then just like they have their life worked out. And what I'm discovering from doing this is that people don't, most people don't have their life worked out. Mm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your parents who do seem to be people who have their life worked out. <laughs> Shawnee and Nat, you might 
disagree, but you know, that's why I want to talk about them. Um, tell me what, tell me about your parents, like what they mean to you, what they've, what they've taught you, what they've afforded you in opportunities, whatever you like. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess mum and dad work well because they're very different. So it creates a good balance. Um, like dad has this, um, as I'm sure you know, he's very like extroverted and very um, outgoing and fun and loud spoken. And, you know, he like, um, he embraces vulnerability so that other people feel okay with being vulnerable, like creates a sense of comfort, Mm. um, which is something that I've like definitely tried to embody because I see how, yeah, how good it makes people feel. And yeah, daddy's huge on like family values and all that. Mm. so that's yeah that's been definitely an impact on me and then you have mum who's really introverted um yeah quite um quite kept to herself um when not in like a family context or anything so it's this balance between extrovert and introvert which I like definitely definitely identify with um Mm. that I have like a line drawn down my body and half is extrovert half is introvert a, i think there's a word for that is it ambivert have you heard of that really i think yeah that's yeah. what i'm currently struggling with in my life ambivert. amazing I'm just i am an a, ambivert a person who has a balance of extrovert and introvert features in their personality there you go that's literally me yeah it's not fun it's very confusing <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah but i guess um by mum and dad being so different and having that balance um the things like it makes them work well as a team because they understand like the importance of opportunities and how meeting people can you know bring different things on you and all that so they've always been yes people and the amount of times mum when I didn't have my license um the amount of times like yeah mum dad even my brother's have just driven me anywhere and anywhere for an opportunity that could potentially teach me something um, that other people maybe living in a household that are quick to say, no, you can't go or whatever that may be. They're always like so encouraging of just new opportunities and yeah, me developing. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite like memory from, from childhood that involved your parents at all or one of them? It's fine That's if you the don't. the worst memory ever. <laughs> um, What's my name again? <laughs> Gabby. Um, <laughs> See? Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm following along. Shout out to oh, Gabby. I, <laughs> I actually don't think I have one memory. That's okay. No, I don't. That's I feel right. like I'm still in childhood. Yep. So last year, 2019, you won the Swinburne University Volunteer of the Year Award. <laughs> for anyone, done your research <laughs> for, every, for everyone, because no one can see your face right now because it's a podcast. <laughs> but you sort of blushed, and like a little bit embarrassed. So you know, I'll just add that. But you won that award. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a little bit about why because I'm involved at at Whitehorse United quite a bit as, as the vice president or was last year. Um, less so this year because we're not currently playing, but I am. But um, you helped a lot with like our socials and doing a lot of design work. 
um, but you did a lot of other things. So I just wanted you to maybe speak about why, why do you volunteer and, and help give your time? Sure. Um, great question. I guess in like everything I volunteer in, um, it's helping me. Like I have this, it's not like a mission in life, but it's something that I always like look back to. And it's this whole idea that like right now my generation is like, um, like not reaching their full potential. Like there's a lot of um, like barriers in like self-worth and um, like vulnerable members of our community, not um, given the same opportunities as everyone else. So there's a lot of barriers that my generation faces and like I want to do like anything I can to just like unlock my generation's like full potential. I really, really believe that that would help move society forward a lot. So, yeah. and it just so happens that the way that I can do this is through positions that a volunteer. Um, yeah. So I guess, um, as you said, I've done some volunteer for Whitehorse um, and both in uh, my volunteer positions for Oak Tree and um, Lord Summers Camp and a few other organisations, they've all allowed me to have conversations, which I think is just like, yeah, amazing, like basic human interaction, just back to that, like giving someone the time of day to just yeah that makes people understand their value and like actually listening and real conversations not like looking down at your phone and reminding them that you are listening or that kind of stuff like just giving someone the time of day is yeah so so important especially like when I go down to summer's camp and it's you know people with disabilities or children whose families are in the realms of alcohol and substance abuse all that like all they want is to be treated like anyone else and be able to have a conversation about normal things like yeah so I guess that's why I volunteer it's really cool what are some of the the most enjoyable things you've you've gotten out of volunteering whether it be Lord Summers or yeah or anywhere else sure um yeah so I guess there's two kind of pathways that I'm I do volunteer work one of them is related to my course which is design So I learned through Whitehurst, I learned like a lot of skills in terms of social media, which my course isn't really targeted to, which I think is really valuable. Um, And yeah, through Oak Tree, that kind of started my passion for eventually working for some kind of not-for-profit or social enterprise. Um, Yeah, so that's probably... Um, from that and then like the other aspect of it is yeah working towards that whole generation thing vulnerable members of community um and yeah some of the most memorable things yeah kind of as I said just like you don't really have these big moments and that's why it's so great because there's not these major turning points or anything it's like all those it's all the little things that like add up and like you leave there after the weekend and I never leave back and I say, oh, there was this one moment that this big thing happened. That person felt great because like, yeah, that stuff is for stage. Like it, it's not really important in real life sometimes. It doesn't really apply, I guess. So it's the little things. It's good. It's a good message. Did I just hear one of the boys in the background there? You did. <laughs> Who was that? Keegan, he's playing FIFA. 
Okay, yeah. Yeah. All good. I think you sort of mentioned it a little bit before, but in terms of success mm-hmm. and succeeding in life, um, mm-hmm. what does what does that look like to you? What is your definition of success? Sure. Um, again, another funny question. Um, <laughs> because I think like success used to be definitely at like the forefront of everything I did. Like it definitely was like a driving force in terms of like work and my study and everything. Like I always, yeah, I always just wanted to achieve and be the best because that meant success. And I think like the biggest thing that used to be for me was success was measurable, which was why I clinged onto it so much. Like, um, you know, it's, it was like an equation. If you do X and Y, whether that be, if you get an A, if you get a plus 98 or whatever it is, if you do X and Y, that will equal success. And that was, you know, something I could work towards and it was easy to see in front of me. Mm. Whereas like nowadays, you know, I, I personally don't believe that like success is achieved by, um, you know, like these accomplishments, these things that you can get a certificate for. And um, yeah, it's, it's like a concept that I've been, yeah, working with a bit right now, actually. Um, I read this book recently. It's called Daring Greatly by Brené Brown, who's an absolute legend. (laughs) And it like, it talked about this trap that we kind of fall into when growing up um, that, you know, like that we've been pushed into believing, I guess that success is like the gold medals, the certificates, like the podium moments, all that stuff. Um, but like, I don't think success can be a universal definition. Um, yeah, I feel like success is personal. It's like how success is, how do, how well, or how much am I actioning my values and my morals in this particular activity? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, like personally, like my, if I end up working for an organization who are all about youth empowerment, youth development, whatever, and that's one of my values, then how much I'm actioning that, that's a success for me. But if, you know, if um, like salary is someone else's value, like they value a high salary. And if they end up working for an organization and they're the CEO or whatever, and they have a high salary, then that's success for them. But yeah, it, I don't think there's a universal definition and it's just how well or how much you're able to action what you believe is important. I like it. Action what you believe is important. Yeah. I think it's really good. Especially if you just sort of come up with that definition right there on the spot. That's, that's an extra. <laughs> Did it sound okay? Great. <laughs> oh, no, it's, I, I like it. I'm just thinking with it. Action what you believe is important. Write that down. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> I just read the chapter from that book on it. Oh, really? And it like had, yeah, it had me thinking. I read it yesterday and I was thinking like all afternoon about it and I was like, success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good timing. Yeah, literally. So there you go. See, if we had have had this conversation four months ago or this, you know, podcast, you wouldn't have read that book. Correct. Very different answer. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. On the topic of books, do you have any other favourites that you might like to recommend? I know podcasts um, do this all the time. I've never really done sure. it. Sure. This is fun. You know, I'm probably the worst person to ask because I hate reading books, but it's one of my goals this year to read two books. 
and I've just found this one. So I just finished it this morning. So definitely that one though, all about like vulnerability and how, yeah, it's super important in like all aspects of life for like everyone, parents, students. Yeah, it's great. Doing greatly, Brené Brown. Nice. And you have a, do you have another book to go on to? Um, no, I haven't found one yet. No. I, okay. Yeah, I need to get on that. But my, um, my partner is reading one about, it's called The Power of Now. And it's all about like, yeah, it's like quite spiritual and about obviously now, like doing things now and how yeah. to get past those barriers. So I think that might be my next one. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, I I can, you know, happily give you or point you in the direction of any books. Seth Godin, who we talked about before, he's written, yeah, quite a few incredible books. So please do. Self development books. I'm here yeah. for it. <laughs> My favorite of Seth's, which is it's an odd one when you sort of maybe read the cover of it, you might be like, What is this about? You don't really know. And you yeah. probably don't really find out until you get in into the book a bit, but it's called the Icarus Deception. And Icarus, if I'm correct in saying, is like a Greek or was a Greek god. And it was sort of like the idea is don't fly too high to the sun or too close to the sun. Yeah, don't fly too high or get too close to the sun because you'll get burnt and you'll you'll die. And the idea is like if you rise up and become really successful, you know, you'll ultimately get um, shot down, so to speak. Um, but what happens is the deception, as the title of the book goes, is that in order to not have that happen, the guy stayed low and flew low and was pulled down by the rest of society and failed just the same. So yeah, there's a lot of, lot of things in there to sort of think with, but um, I read that book in 2016 and it made me like a Seth Godin fan. And I think it was one of the main things that is why I'm doing this today. So yeah, that's there you cool. go. There you go. Um, so I've got only a few more questions left, but I've really enjoyed this. Probably the longest one-on-one conversation I've had with you. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I only really come around to your place to hang out with the boys or I think I've, I've been there once and like no one was there in your house. <laughs> I let myself in and I was watching TV. Oh, yeah. I, I think it, yeah, it definitely happened once. But no, it has been good, had a, has been good to chat with you. Um, more detail. But one of the reasons why I created this podcast was because I wanted to ask older people specifically what their advice would be for their younger selves, because I listened to a lot of motivational style podcasts and that was one of the questions and the answers seemed a bit out of reality for me for these big, you know, celebrities and world-class athletes and their advice was always similar. Um, But I wondered what if I asked the everyday person that? So yeah, my question to you, Sinead Coulter, is what advice, and you're 20, so I can't really ask you what your advice would be for your 20-year-old self, because that's right now. But if we were to listen to this in 20 years' time, please let's, let us be alive in, in 20 years, all of us. Um, but what advice would you give to your 40-year-old self? Like to give. Cool. Um... Sure. I hope when I'm 40 that I still don't have a plan and that I'm rigidly flexible so that if I'm 40 and I end up in a career and I decide that I don't like it, that I'm flexible enough 
to go, okay, I'll study something else instead of just thinking, oh, I'm 40, I should have a job. Um, yeah, I hope that I'm still like that. Um, I hope... It's a good question. I hope... Am I allowed to say the word crap? Of course. Okay, I hope that I still give a crap when I'm 40 um, about like these issues and everything and that if I have kids by the time I'm 40, I hope that I'm enforcing that notion on them to give a crap because giving a crap is cool. Um, I was and it, that, giving a crap is cool. That's so true. That's a saying, isn't it? Giving crap is cool. Well, I actually say giving a shit. You, uh, no I didn't know if I was allowed to say that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're allowed. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so good, not to cut you off mid, mid-sentence, but yeah, giving a, giving a crap is cool. 100%. And that's okay. how things are changed. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So I hope that I'm still advocating for that. Um, yeah. Wait, what have I said? Give a crap and rigidly flexible. Yeah. I feel like they're important they are. to just not succumb to like this plan for life and think that by your 40 you have to have this and this and this. Like, I hope my life looks nothing like what a normal 40 year old life is meant to be like. I hope I'm still like experimenting and doing random tri- trips to Africa to volunteer and weird stuff like that. Love it. Yeah. Sorry, my voice keeps going. <clears throat> In and out. <laughs> third interview of the day so far um no that's that's awesome and i think hopefully you know i'm sure we'll still be friends in 20 years i'll um i'll right. listen to this and uh, <laughs> i'll give you a call if you're not please do reality check me <laughs> yeah yeah love it all right Sinead will look i think it's a good point to to leave it but before we go is there anything you'd like to add like to say maybe i haven't prompted or maybe if you want to let people know where they could reach out to you, if you'd like to, you don't have to, you can remain anonymous, even though I've mentioned some details that would <laughs> render you findable in the world of the internet. Fun. But yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. I do want to say something. I just want to word it right. So let me think. Of course. Yeah. Maybe I just want to touch on that idea again, that yeah, like giving a shit is really important and, you know, there's this idea that people who care, like, oh, just, like, live life, like, stop worrying about these things, like, you know, stop being that person who calls up someone when they say, I want to jump off a cliff and all this stuff, like, those jokes aren't okay, and, you know, these things, like, if it doesn't sit well with you, speak up, like, there's nothing wrong with caring, and if people think, or they think of you differently for caring, then, you know, they don't deserve to have you in their life. Love it. Right, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, as I say, a good point to end. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been good. <laughs> Thanks, Rin. All right. Catch up. Bye. And there you have it, episode 43 with Sinead Coulter. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed that, please get in touch with Sinead or myself. Uh, All our details are in the show notes. And if, yeah, you want to get in touch with her, obviously, please do so. Um, 
there was a lot a lot of stuff there you know action what you believe is important you know it's okay to give a shit to give a damn to give a crap you know it is and that's something that we need to to spread that idea that you know standing up for something that you think is right is something that we should be doing so I really appreciated that conversation I look forward to listening back to that advice and speaking to Sinead in 20 years time because I'm sure we'll still be friends Uh, and yeah there you go as always if you'd like to subscribe to this podcast please do so share it with a friend send it in a text however you'd like to it really means a lot it's how I want to grow this podcast just organically through word of mouth so yeah if you loved it please do that get in touch with me let me know and let me know if I can do anything better. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, all the very best.